Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. Right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I took a I took a break last week. If you didn't notice, um, I needed a break. If I'm completely honest, but I am back with an amazing guest. We're going to talk a little bit about um, money fundamentals and budgeting, uh, cost of living. And ironically, just before I started to press record on this, I actually got my um, energy bill estimate for when my contract ends at the end of June. And um, I know that many people would have received their energy bill estimates in terms of their monthly um, cost. And mine is a little, uh, it took me aback a little bit. So my current tariff, I'm paying something like 1,666 per year. That is set to go up. So this is the offer that they've given me. They said I can stay on a standard variable, which will be equivalent to my current tariff that will end in June, or I can move on to a fixed tariff and guess what? The fixed tariff is over £2,200 a year. So I'm flabbergasted. And the topic we're going to talk about today will maybe tie into this a little bit because I've spoken about it before on the podcast. Budgeting becomes really, really important. Understanding what you've got coming in, what you've got going out and how you're going to allocate your cash. And my guest today um, is very, very good speaking about this. I was at an event maybe two months ago, and she was speaking there, and there's some, uh, she had a very unique uh, way of looking at this, and I thought this would be a really good conversation to have here on the podcast. So I am more than more than privileged to welcome Ola from All Things Money. Welcome. Thank you for having me. That was such a kind introduction. Hi, everyone listening. My name is Ola. <laughs> right, it's good to have you here. Tell me a little bit about, obviously, what you're doing at the moment, what you've been up to. Yeah, what have I been up to? So All Things Money is an online platform, which is now my full-time job, which is insane. Um, so a lot of my time is spent, you know, teaching young people and, you know, people older how to manage their money effectively. Um, I share lots of tips and information online. So I've got Instagram account, podcast, all that fun stuff, TikTok even now. And then I also host <laughs> regular workshops as well. So yeah, do it quite a lot. <laughs> Talk to me about TikTok. How are you getting on? Don't let's not talk about TikTok. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. I feel like consistency is key. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're like on the slow trajectory. One day yeah. we'll probably go viral, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's weird with TikTok because I know that I need to get into TikTok, but I don't know. I've, I took the decision the other day, actually, because I do have, I had a conversation of money, uh, TikTok, but obviously the, the video format is very, very different and how you need to shoot it and produce it is very, very different. I just didn't have the time to do it. So I've come to the decision that I'm going to have my TikTok account as a personal account for me. And I will just maybe share some of the things that I do day to day and that will lead on to other things. But yeah, TikTok is one of those ones where, I don't know, people swear by it because 
it feels as though Instagram is almost dead. I don't know. It's it's very, very strange um, when you think about what we do and trying to, you know, interact with people. Unless you're paying on Instagram, it's very hard to get out and um, reach new new people. Have you found that? Absolutely. I was having a conversation this morning with one of my best friends who's a social media manager and she's got a huge platform on Instagram. I think she's got about nearly 40K followers. And she said it is just a task now it's a mission I don't know what the algorithm is trying to do but I think a lot of people now aren't reaching the people they want to reach so it has been a struggle and which is why I'm trying TikTok Um, I also want to try and revamp my website so at least as a central hub should the Instagram account just go mm-hmm. just vanish you know so I think it's really important to have like other, other platforms in place that's why I'm trying TikTok it's not yeah. easy but I'm trying yeah <laughs> And you mentioned that you're full time now. Congratulations! I know we spoke about this Thank at the DMs, uh, yes. and stuff like that, but obviously it, it takes some courage to jump full time and do this. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the journey before we get into the whole budgeting side of things. Yes, yeah, so I finished uni in the middle of the pandemic, which was fun, and I started All Things Money as a little Instagram page there and then. And I had plans to move to Australia, which sadly couldn't go ahead. Um, so I kind of finished uni not having a clue what to do. So I went and worked for the company I used to work with when I was 17 in a role managing a number of different venues in my London borough. Um, And then, yeah, 18 months down the line, all things money kind of grew a lot bigger than what I ever thought it was going to be. And it was just meant to be a little hobby. Um, And yeah, before Christmas, I decided to go part-time, just do three days days a week at work and then two days managing all things money. Um, Got to March time, February, March, I quickly realised two days a week isn't enough. Um, so I had a lot of deliberation with friends and family. I feel like the conversation went on for way longer than it really needed to when everyone's answer was the exact same. Um, but yeah, I decided to leave my job and decided to just venture out and make it a full-time thing. And fortunately, it's gone well so far. First few weeks were scary, but it's worked out. <laughs> so what when you say everyone said the same thing, was it kind of encouraging or was it like, Ola, you're nuts? Like, why yeah, would you do yeah. this? So everyone was like, you've got to just give it a chance. They're like, you've managed to do it. You've managed to get it to this point, you know, working a full-time job. So imagine what you can do with it being your full-time job. And, you know, I think everyone as well was very much like, okay, if you quit your job, you can always get another one. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that is so true. And I always forget about that. I feel like, you know, when we make certain decisions, we assume it's just set in stone forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I haven't looked back so far. I haven't regretted my decision and it's nearly just been t- just over two months. Um, so it's going okay. Scary, Good. but it's going okay. <laughs> Good. And I guess this is the beauty of, you know, social media and, and stuff like that. It does allow yeah. you to venture and do whatever you want. And this is like some music to my ears when people are able to take that leap and that, you know, it is it is a, a massive mm-hmm. scary. Right. <laughs> it, it, it does pay off big if you get yeah. it, if you get it right and stuff like that. So cost of living at the moment, how are you finding things cost of living? Do you find people are asking you questions and in, interacting with your content around that? Because like I just shared, my energy ball prices are just stupid and like obviously they're still gonna go up in October um as well. So what they've quoted me, I can lock in at two thousand two hundred and something odd pounds now. And this is this is the this is the juxtaposition. It almost feels as though they got you in a vice, right? The standard variable is the same as what I'm paying right now, so I can keep my payments exactly the same. Or I fix for six hundred pounds more, knowing that in October the price cap is going to go up again. So if I don't fix in at two hundred two hundred pounds two thousand two hundred pounds now, it might be 
2000 well it's going to go up by another 800 pounds in october so now i'm going to be over 3000 pounds potentially for the cost how how do you find people interacting with that kind of content on your side i mean it's hot topic i think i'm sure you're very much aware as well um People want to know how they can go about managing their bills, how they can manage their finances. Um, a lot of my following are 18 to 35 year olds. So mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of them are post-uni students or, you know, at uni and still working out how bills even work, let alone, how, you know, how these costs, rising costs are going to affect them. So I feel like a lot of people in this boat of like being really stressed. I think the news hasn't helped. I think there's been a lot of scaremongering in that respect so i feel like a lot of people just hear cost of living crisis cost of living crisis that's going to affect me but they don't actually know how it's going to affect them so they're trying to put you know some plans in place to protect them from this cost of living crisis and you know a lot of people are asking me you know how should i budget how should i save and a couple of months well last month i did a podcast episode about how to survive the cost of living crisis and that superseded all my most recent episodes so again it just shows there is a demand for people wanting to learn how to manage their money effectively Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I would definitely would echo that and stuff. I mean, one of the things that I've spoken about here on the podcast, which I think is fundamentally important, is obviously the boring B word. Yeah, budgeting. <laughs> like every time I mention it, I almost cringe. But it's it is the bedrock of everything, really. And like I said uh, at the KBM event, you had a very uh, unique um, take on the budgeting side of things. Could you share a little bit around your approach um, on budgeting that you that you're sharing yeah. at the moment? Well, I think like you said, I think it is the bedrock. You know, without a budget, you don't know how much you can spend. You don't know how much you can afford to save. You don't know how much you can afford to invest. So budgeting, as, much, as boring as some people want to think of it as, it is fundamental. So without a budget, you can't really manage your finances full stop. Um, and I think, you know, I always say this on all things money, you can budget and have fun. A budget is there to just allow you to see how much you can afford to spend and how much you can afford to spend on living and enjoyment as well. So I feel mm-hmm. like without a budget, you know, you can very, very easily find yourself in, you know, trouble, in debt, overspending in certain categories that you probably don't need to be overspending in. So I think a budget just allows you to review your spending and adjust your spending habits too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think you're 100% right there because if, even if I look back on my own journey, like I used to be really, really bad with, with money, like really, really bad. And I, I spoke about this on um, my mate's podcast the other day um, that was out actually yesterday on YouTube. A lot of my issues around money historically, if I look back, was about budgeting, but it was facilitated and and exacerbated by the fact that at the time I was homeless, I didn't really have a choice. I was bouncing checks, all that kind of stuff. But nobody ever teaches you about budgeting. So it's very simplistic to say, right, if you've got this amount of money coming in, you need to make sure you're not, the money going out isn't going to supersede or be more than what you've got coming in. Obviously, that's common sense. Most people will understand that. But I, what I think most people struggle with is, okay, so how do I go about budgeting? What are some of the strategies that are available? So what, what are you, what's your approach um, that you share with, with budgeting at the moment? Yeah, so there's two kind of main budgeting methods I always shout about um, when I'm teaching these workshops and covering on all things money. Um, one of the one ways I personally budget is I use the traditional budgeting method, and it's essentially where you list all of your outgoings, your income, and you kind of work out the difference between the two, hopefully mm-hmm. having some disposable income. So for me, I pay rent at home, I pay for my phone bill, I pay for X, Y, Z, and then also pay myself a certain amount each month as well. So I know how much disposable income I have left over 
after all my bills are kind of accounted for. And I think at this moment in time, it's very important that all of your essential like spending is covered. So, you know, your rent, your bills and stuff like that, before you even think about all your added extras, such as the gym or your Spotify mm-hmm. and everything like that. So yeah, once you have your disposable income left over, you know, you kind of have how, you know, you can work out how much money you have left over to spend for that month. And for me, I then break that down into a weekly budget and uh, work out how much I can spend each week. And I actually create a separate bank account for that money. So I know I can only spend a set amount each week and that is it. <laughs> so that's how I kind of budget. And a lot of people actually love that method of just going out with one card because it's very mm-hmm. easy, especially with Apple pay and, you know, Android pay. I don't know what the alternative is to Apple pay, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really easy to be tap, tap, tapping on your credit card, your debit, like three debit cards. And it's really important that if you can limit it to one card when going out and about that actually helps a lot because you know, you can only have a set amount. So for me, I like love to see my friends on the weekend. So I know I kind of reduce how much money I spend Monday to Thursday and then save the majority of it for my weekend. So I know I've actually got a decent amount to enjoy when socializing with friends. So that's kind of one way of budgeting. And a lot of people kind of like that. But another popular method is the 50, 30, 20 budgeting method. And I'm sure you're very much aware of this method, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where um, you kind of allocate 50% of your income towards your needs. So that's your rent, your bills, or your necessary spending. Then um, you also want to allocate around 30% if possible towards your wants. So that's maybe going shopping, your takeaways, and anything else you probably don't deem as necessary, but also what you like to spend your money on. So again, you can have, you can budget and have fun. And then ideally, if you can, you want to try and save or invest around 20% of your income. That is a very popular budgeting term. Now, I know for some people that kind of layout is not possible, especially mm-hmm. a lot of my friends that live in London. Mm-hmm. No way is 50% of their needs going to cover, you know, 50% their, of <laughs> literally yeah, exactly yeah. that. So I think it's really important with this method. It's a t- it's really important to take it with a pinch of salt, but having that same kind of outlook and, you know, just budgeting accordingly to, you know, different percentages, because people never really know how much they should budget for like their wants or their needs and stuff. So I think, work out how much you can actually afford percentage wise to cover your needs and then work go backwards from that so you know then how much do you have left over for your wants i know some people don't really like going out and about much they're quite a homebody so maybe they only need to spend 10 percent of their income on work their wants and the same with their savings some people may only be able to save five or two percent of their income again there's nothing wrong with that i think for some people saving is a privilege at the moment we all know how expensive living is so again whatever you can afford to save you know, as long as you're trying to put something away, your future self will love you for it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. I mean, I did an exercise maybe a year and a half ago where on that structure of, you know, 50, 30, 20, I did a number of extrapolations and I created this spreadsheet which had a look at if you earn 20K all the way up to 50K a year, what those percentages actually meant. And I remember running a workshop at the time and I said, well, if you're on this bracket, you know, 30 grand a year, for example, this is what 50% actually represents in pounds and pence per yep. month. And I found a lot of people were staggered at the fact that actually that's a really big number. Mm. Like you said, really big number. Then you extrapolate that further and go, okay, so it doesn't really matter whether you're able to say 10% or 20%. Yeah. Look at the monetary amount. Exactly that. Because when you look at the monetary amount, it's actually more than you kind of expect it to be in most instances. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big advocate for the fact that 
it's not so much the the amount that matters if you're working on the percentage the percentage is key because it doesn't if you're only you know earning a thousand pounds a month and you're saving ten percent okay well that's only a hundred quid but guess what when you start when you start to earn you know two thousand three thousand four thousand the monetary amount becomes so much bigger and it's the foundation of healthy financial habits and for me that's kind of where everything is at it's like budgeting is a financial habit if you cannot if you can if you can nail that down you've got a really nice bedrock to start to build from because you need solid foundations as well yeah and like you said especially when you start looking at the numbers and you actually work out because a lot of people come to me they're like I can't budget my money I don't have enough money to live and you know when you actually sit them down with some of them a lot of people I speak to their monthly income was way more than what I was earning when I was running all things money (laughs) on as a side hustle so and I managed to live so I think when you actually look at the numbers you look at what are you spending your money on you then start to realize oh hang on a minute I spend X amount going out with my friends, for example, but I don't need to spend that much. Okay, well, mm-hmm. you can reduce that and put it up with Monzo. It's great. You can put a cap on your cat- um, on certain categories so you can't overspend a certain amount. Or you like, you look at, I've got some people used to have Netflix, Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's nearly like 40, 50 pounds just on your entertainment. Yeah. Do you really have time to watch all of yeah. that in one month? And yeah, I think yeah. when you start looking at the numbers, you're thinking you can then be like, okay, my finances aren't as bad as what they seem. I'm not actually earning that little, but it's just looking at what can I cut. Um, and I think with the cost of living crisis, it's really important to see, you know, review your spending. I know it's as hard as it can be to look at your finances. It's really good to over, look, have a overview, have a view and look at your um, spending. Yeah, it's even on Secret Spenders, we found this when we were filming that... Um, I would get all of the financial statements beforehand and when I sit down and actually go through like mm. all the analysis of what people are spending on and, and separating it out from, right, these are your basics, your essentials, these are the ancillary nice things to have. A lot of people didn't realise how much they're spending on the ancillary stuff. Like, for example, so you mentioned there Netflix, Amazon, Disney+. Plus. I remember sitting down with one couple and I said, you do, you do realize that you could just bundle all of those things up into, into your Sky package. So you're not paying out, you know, an extra 30 quid a month for the additional channels. You can just have it in your one subscription. And I think it's not that the fact that people um, don't want to do it. I think it's just the fact that they're just unaware. Yeah. And sometimes I discover that, you know, sometimes it can be psychologically psychologically if you have to cancel those things i think psychologically people feel as though maybe maybe they're sacrificing something or it's a a signal that they've they failed in some way shape or form and i've always said to people that actually you shouldn't ever feel like that at all really you move with the circumstances and just because you have to give up a certain subscription or one of your 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 wants doesn't mean that you failed or you've done something you know wrong it's just a natural evolution of your finances based on the circumstances that you're facing at the time I don't know whether you find that as well yeah that's actually really interesting takes I've actually never considered that but I can see why people would think that and again look like you know at the moment we're all back in like back at work most of us um, are back in full time in the office so do we have time to even watch all three 
subscription packages it's even looking at, at that like um I know some people might think they're giving up you know their most prized possessions but even if it's something that you want to keep like that I always say as well because you know I think when it comes to the cost of living crisis a lot of people want to talk constantly talk about cut back cut back cut back mm-hmm. so I think it's also really important to see ways you can maybe make your money stretch further so you know um is there ways you can make money online or you know cashback websites people still don't use cashback websites we're in 2022 the amount of money you can save using cashback websites is crazy but again mm. it's like people aren't aware and this is why we have platforms like this to kind of educate people or you know simple swap like swaps you know rather than doing your sh- um, your shopping in waitrose why not go to aldi and lidl for some mm-hmm. like some basics like mm-hmm. i bought a loaf of bread yesterday for 36p in aldi like that is just insane compared yeah, to like you know yeah, going elsewhere but you know what that's a prime example of this that exact thing is a prime example of well that feels like there's a sense of prestige if you're shopping at waitrose yeah and the thought of going to aldi or Lidl is like absolutely not but it's like it's the same thing people talk about the quality of the food okay maybe there may be a little bit of a quality yeah. difference but fundamentally it's the same thing if you yeah. strip it back all you're essentially doing is you're getting your weekly shot from a from a store that manages to get the produce cheaper and sells it cheaper. But psychologically for a lot of yeah. people, that's kind of like, oh no, no, I can't do, I couldn't possibly be seen at, a, at an Audi or a little. I mean, my, my miss, she does all of her, all of our uh, shopping at, at Audi. She absolutely loves it. So do I. Mm-hmm. So much money. Yeah. And the produce, and actually some of the things they have in there are actually really, really good. But it's interesting you say that because I find that it's, it's very much a psychological thing. For yeah, people a lot absolutely. Of the time around the prestige and again, it's kind of like it's social engineering, isn't it? Brand, yeah. Waitrose, yeah. Audi, mm-hmm. one's higher in, I guess, relevance and perception than the other. Yeah, it's very, very clever marketing. Oh, and always, engineering. always. And this is it. But it's such a shame because, and I have a few people. I'm not going to say just in case they do listen to this podcast, but <laughs> there are some people that, will, like you said, will refuse to step in wait um, into Audi or Lidl. But for example, like next to my gym I have a Audi it's an Audi or a Lidl and at the moment they've run out of their own branded um, ketchup and so they've only got Heinz in at the moment £2.99 for a bottle of Heinz when they sell it for 57p I'm just not going to do it and Mm -hmm. you know I think when you put it in real terms like that yes you have prestige of going to Waitrose but when you're actually looking at the numbers and the amount of money you can save by going to somewhere like Lidl or Audi or even just I don't know, like buying secondhand goods. I had a recording with someone yesterday and they were saying they bought a lot of um, some goods for their new child secondhand. And again, some people would be like, what? But it's also the amount of money you're saving. And at this moment in time, a lot of people need to be making that kind of savings because, you know, like you said, bills are going up. So at one point, there will become, there'll come a point for some people where they have no choice but to make that change. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, guys, if you're listening to this, we're not saying that, you know, if you're shopping at Waitrose or anything like that, you, you're a snob. No, of course. Not. We're just saying <laughs> that, you know, it's really important to cut your cloth accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that I've been following Martin Lewis quite a lot. And he's right when he says that, you know, in circumstances like where we are right now with just inflation just being, I mean, the thing is, this is where the painful thing is, right? You've got energy costs, but fuel costs are going up, the cost of your shopping. So it feels as though people are getting squeezed 360 degrees. And to be honest, there's only a certain amount of budgeting and cutting that you can do before it becomes to the point where you can't cut anymore. 
and it's a really really difficult place to be in so we're not saying that you know you're a snob if you're working at you know shopping at certain places but it is about cutting your cloth your cloth accordingly and that's really really important but as we say you know the, the budgeting really is the the linchpin to pretty much everything hopefully this doesn't end or last for too much longer um, and hopefully we have some kind of end well light at the end of the tunnel i would i would probably use as the right phrase um in this point but what's coming down the track we don't know i mean i'm really scared for people in october because we're going to see the inflation number jump even more um i was reading in the news this morning that um a barrel of petrol has now crossed over 134 dollars a barrel which means we're going to start seeing that reflected in the fuel pumps you know things are pretty bad at the moment um and it's just what people are going to do. I, I just don't know. I mean, what was your take on the whole um, Chancellor's package last week? I'm only going to say a certain amount, mm -hmm. but I feel like they really wanted a lot of praise when realistically given money is, is not going to be the problem solver. I mean, look, I went to Lisbon two weekends ago or so, and the petrol price when I left was £1.63. I came back, it was £1.74. I think it's just getting to the point now, like you said, we're getting squeezed from 360 degree angles. What can the government do in terms of, you know, these rising fuel costs, in terms of these companies, what can they do to help people in that respect rather than just handing out 400, 500 pounds? Because that's not going to cover it. Half of, you know, the energy rise that's going to go up, let alone then the rise of food bill. And then also on top of that, you've got inflation. It's a lot. And I just, I just don't think the government's doing enough, to be honest. But I do think they really thought they were going to be really highly praised for that and for me it's just I just don't think it was enough yeah I mean I said this on the rain I think this is it's always going to be a moving target and I think um October is going to roll around and this round of packages was rolled out in view of October but unless the war in Ukraine stops miraculously overnight we're going to get to maybe March next year because and this is the funny thing a lot of people don't realize this that 400 pounds is not it's not cash you're not getting that in cash it's going to be assigned to your your bill account, to mm -hmm. your energy account, and it's going to reduce your direct debit. So it's not physical cash that you're actually getting. Yeah. So unless something changes, we're going to roll around to March 2023, and there's likely going to need to be another intervention of some kind. What's going to happen? What are we going to do? It's a really, really tricky situation. I can understand where... Maybe the Chancellor is a little bit stuck around what to do and stuff, but I just think that we're in a situation at the moment which is completely and utterly unsustainable. So what we're talking about today around budgeting and things like that, it's just, it's really, really crucial. It mm. will only go a certain way though, but yeah. it's going to help massively, I think, Yeah. Uh, ultimately. I mean, Definitely. are there any kind of final thoughts or things that you, you would leave uh, sort of listeners with? Yeah, so like we kind of briefly touched on, you know, we there's only so much cutting back people can do. So I think it's being really creative now about how you can make extra money. Um, mm -hmm. And I talk about this all the time. And it's very much like, you know, again, it's obviously time dependent on how much free time you have. But is there ways you can start using cashback websites? People that don't know cashback websites, but these are obviously websites such like Top Cashback, where you do your shopping through them and you earn a percentage of your money back. Um, that's free cash that you get to keep. Um, I know some people have made thousands of pounds just using cashback websites. Um, also, looking at, there's so many bank accounts now, such as Chase Bank. Um, they are also now offering cashback for a set amount of time on your purchases. Again, that is free cash. Um, 
you know, is there ways you can make money online, doing online surveys, doing um, customer research. If there's a passion you have, maybe look at um, starting a side hustle. There's so many ways now to make extra cash, even if it's just an extra 20 pounds a month, it still does add to something. Um, So I think that's really important that people kind of look and consider. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be doing an episode where I'm going to talk about side hustles specifically, because I think there is an opportunity with, you know, social media now to be able to really market your stuff particularly if you've got a skill set which is in high demand right now. You know, yes. things like video editing, photo- yep. photograph editing, uh, copywriting, um, things like that are really, really yeah. in, in high demand right now. I was looking at um, things like um, I bought a drone recently. And, like, these things, are they can be a little expensive to, to get, but you can get them at secondhand for a few hundred pounds. But, you know, if you if you get a drone and you get one that's under 250 grams in weight, I think it is, right? You don't need a license. But then people are still getting married. People will still want aerial footage. You can partner up with, you know, a wedding photographer, for example, or videographer and say, look, I've got a drone. I'll work with you to provide some aerial footage of a wedding to make it more epic and more memorable. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things are really, really important. And if yeah. you, I mean, flying a drone is like, it's a duddle. If you play <laughs> PlayStation ever, you know, you will know how to pl- fly a drone. Um, but understanding, obviously, lighting and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you can watch a YouTube video for that. Yeah. But earning more money and trying to see if there's anything you can do on the side hustle side is going to mm-hmm. be really important for people. Selling things that you don't actually need, you can do that as well. You've got a parking space, particularly in London. Yes. Rent that out. That I mean, I used to pay when I was in London. I think it was like two hundred pounds a month for my parking spot. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It's like that's just for a parking spot. So that's two, <laughs> an extra two hundred quid a month for for the person. Someone else. That, you know, mm-hmm. and that's two thousand four hundred a year. So all of these things essentially add up. But yeah. This has been amazing, Ola. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for what's, having me. What's new? What's going on? What's next for you anyway? Oh, that's a good question. Um. I think I've had a sit down with myself this morning to kind of revamp all things money, scale it up a little bit. Um, I want to have like a more main online hub of resources. Like we said, Instagram's getting dead. So I want to make sure that I've got an actual platform such as like a nice new website full of lots of different resources for people to like be able to go and check out. So that is going to be my next project, I think. Revamp the website, get some people on my team and scale it up. Good. And how do people actually find you? Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram at allthingsmoney underscore. Same for TikTok, same for Twitter. Um, I've also got a podcast, which is called the All Things Money Podcast. I had Pete on there as well, talking about NFTs. So definitely go check it out. Um, but yeah, and then I've also got my website, which is www.allthingsmoney.uk. New things are coming there, so keep an eye peeled. Awesome. Ola, thank you so much for this. It's really, really appreciated. And guys, if you've listened to this episode, you, hopefully you've picked up something uh, in this conversation. Um, and hopefully you can take something away to actually action to help you in the coming weeks and months. Um, I still need to decide what I'm going to do with my energy bill. Um, I don't actually know what I'm going to do just yet. And that's weird because I'm supposed to be a financial expert. I think I might actually just fix and just bite the bullet. Um because I wouldn't want to get to October where I potentially have to pay more because the energy price cap has come up. Then I have to look back and be like, I could have locked in at 2,200, but now it's going to be 3,000. Um, so I'm going to have to make that difficult decision to bite the bullet and pay, take the extra 600 pounds, 700 pound hit now. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and survive this is that it. way. Yeah. It's and this a difficult is it. decision. Yeah. And I think like my last, last lining, 
last final line is that we're all in the same boat. I don't think there's one person that isn't feeling a slight change in their finances. So if you are listening to this podcast episode and you know you feel like you're the only one that's really struggling or you're really struggling to make ends meet, honestly, you're not alone. And there's so many online hotlines to reach out to if you are struggling financially as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So guys, hope you enjoyed this. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll see you again uh, next Monday. I'm going to have a guest come on um, shortly. He's going to be talking about the psychological side of money and psychology and how our mindsets and the way we perceive and think about money impacts the practical things that we do on a day-to-day basis. That one's going to be a really, really interesting conversation. So hope you join me then. But in the meantime, um, have an amazing week. I will catch you next Monday. Remember, money is a tool. Life is for living. I'll sign off and bid you farewell. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.